This episode was produced in Chicago, Illinois, while I attended the 75th annual Midwest Clinic, a clinic for musicians and music educators to come together and share about our craft. After four years of serving the Warren Officer Cohort in Army University at Fort Leavenworth and at the United States Army Warren Officer Career College at Fort Rucker, it's good to be back in my branch and working in the music field again. At this clinic, I had the opportunity to hear the United States Army Field Band in performance several times, in addition to hearing the Army Blues. Both groups were truly outstanding, and I appreciate the work of those musicians to communicate the Army story in their way. Also at this event, I was privileged to meet one of two Jasons that you're going to hear from both our United States Marine Corps officers. The first Jason that I want to mention is my former classmate and the current Marine Corps band, the President's own commander, Colonel Jason Fettig. It was nice to see Jason again, and I appreciate the opportunity to connect with him in our musical mission to the nation. Further, the next Jason I want to talk to you about is the one who I'm going to introduce today. I met Chief Warrant Officer for Jason Pierce after a LinkedIn feed of him and several other Marine Corps warrant officers crossed my feed. I reached out to Jason, and he was very amenable to pursuing this opportunity. In the time that has followed since meeting, Jason has become a very good friend, and I appreciate his commitment to his cohort, general education, and professional military education. Thank you for being that exemplar of commitment to education. This chance to chat with him and explore the work of warrant officers to support the United States Marine Corps. It's truly been eye-opening, and the conversation, I hope, will continue for many years to come. Thank you to both Jasons for your time and your sharing and your generosity. And right now, we're going to hear from Colonel Jason Fedig and the United States Marine Corps Band, the President's Own, followed by... Chief Warrant Officer for Jason Pierce. W podcast episode bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large scale combat operations and multi domain operations. And now, here's your host. Hello. In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shares some personal and professional experiences as a United States Marine Corps supply chain management officer. Then we will examine how those experiences contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements. Today, I am joined by USMC Chief Warrant Officer for Jason Pierce. Thanks so much for your time today, Jason. Can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, please? Yes. Uh, thanks for having me, Russ. So I've been on active duty Marine for over 25 years now. I originally enlisted into the Marine Corps in Buffalo, but my beginning roots are actually from around the Rochester area. Can you tell me uh, what is your MOS 
your MOS title and your duty position, please. Yes. Yeah, so I am a 3010, uh, which is a supply chain management officer. Oftentimes, sometimes they refer to us as a supply operation officer. Sometimes that can be confused with our unrestricted counterparts, a 3002, they're regular supply officers. So we're more focused on the supply chain management part as well as the operations. My current position is the deputy director of supply chain integration division for logistics command. I, I want to go off script just a little bit. You are in Albany, Georgia. Is that correct? Yes. And you had mentioned during our uh, previous discussions that that particular installation is like, was it, was it Toby Hanna for the Army? Yeah, sim- very similar to Toby Hanna. Very, very similar. Okay. So your, your big focus there is vehicles, correct? Correct. Ground, ground equipment, not air equipment. Great. I appreciate that. That will help my audience. Thank you. So then given that you are in the um, supply chain management and you're relating to vehicles, can you tell me what your daily work is like or what it involves in garrison and field training, uh, field and training and deployment situations, please? Yeah. So managing the entire supply chain from the beginning to the end kind of has been our focus. When I started out as a warrant officer, I did inventory and warehousing operations. Then as you get promoted, you get moved up to doing the inventory management part, forecasting and demand. And then as you move up, you could do logistic systems. And then the picture keeps getting bigger and bigger. Currently in in the office type environment, I'm focused on the supply operations as a whole and, and writing policy now. Either we rewrite a policy or we create a policy that provides more efficiency towards saving money, saving energy. Sometimes when we go to the field, that is a smaller picture to ensure all classes of supply get out there, whether it be ammo, food, uh, class nine parts for maintenance. So that's kind of the field level. When I started out, it was at a much smaller scale. And as you get promoted, you kind of look at the bigger picture. Now at the enterprise level, I can see how what they call Marine Expeditionary Forces, the MEFs are doing it and then writing policy to try to clarify instructions And as we all know, policy can come outdated sometimes with logistic systems, and then we don't like to change it. So now is my responsibility to to take a look at the policy, say, hey, is it relevant to 2022, and see where we can critique it there. Also, in, in part of my tasking is to do audit and compliance. Big buzzwords in the DOD nowadays, accountability is is huge. uh, DOD wants us to save money. So look at people's data and see where if the accountability of equipment is there and then see how we can correct those records and make it better. So I'd like you to talk to the audience about that work that you do, whether from very early in your career as a warrant officer, all the way through this policy writing. How does that fit in with what you're supposed to do? Typically, if this was an Army warrant officer, I'd ask, you know, what does that do to satisfy the war fighting functions? So uh, I'll ask you about that. Uh, How does that fit in with what you're supposed to do, please? Yeah, absolutely. So in the Marine Corps, the seven war fighting functions, command and control, fires, force protection, information, intelligence, logistics, and maneuver. Currently, my work is a supply operation and policy at the enterprise level all the way down to the smaller scale really supports the logistics and maneuver activities within Marine Corps operations. So that's where we fit into the war fighting. How do we ensure that the logistics can function correctly to support the other war fighting functions? Sure. Uh, and just a suspicion, I, I would I would guess, especially at your level, you would be talking to those planners and commanders too about what you do to support their people. Is that fair? Yes. If people deploy or units deploy, how many vehicles do you need? 
what is your maintenance plan? What is your plan to get supplies and then ensure that their plan makes sense? And then it's it's feasible in the environment that they're going into. Sure. That's great. And so let's talk about that operational environment. The next thing I would typically ask uh, the Army warrant officer who I'm interviewing is, how does your work fit into large-scale combat operations? We overtly know that there are some differences between the Marine Corps and the Army. So talk to me about your operational differences, and, and, and we'll look at how that varies from the Army. Yeah, you know, a, a big difference between the Army and the Marine Corps as far as large-scale operations. We, we still do large-scale combat operations or exercises. We just don't have the purpose of going in and sustaining it for a long period of time. One of the ways that we approach it is, hey, how do we provide that exercise or those Marines in that large-scale combat operation? How do we provide them with all classes of supply? You know, and really monitoring from the ordering part all the way to the delivery. And as we are designed to go in first and transported by the Navy, you know, how can we utilize those assets to bring supplies to the warfighter? Wow, that's a great observation. Uh, that implicit work with the Navy and again their transportation methods. Uh, I'm sure that involves a fair amount of discussion with a lot of people for any kind of exercise. Uh, the planning for that is is that fair? Yes, absolutely. And then again, differences between the Marine Corps and the Army. Obviously. Um, you're associated with the Navy and by definition, water. So moving into multi-domain operations, which is still um, an emerging concept in the Army that we're ironing out, how does your work fit into multi-domain operations, please? Yes, Russ, that's a good question. So with multi-domain operations, I think in this context refers to the ability to function with other services in a joint environment. And we like to say in order to ensure mission completion in a non-kinetic or kinetic environment, I think that's important to, to note. We're currently, as a Marine Corps, trying to downsize our forces as we shape into what we call 2030 force design as the Commandant moves to a smaller, more lethal mobile force. As a supply operation or supply chain management officer, we want to decentralize the supply chain as much as possible to place fulfillment centers or inventory as close to the warfighter as possible so they don't have to bring it with them. It's burdensome to bring class nine parts and to bring a whole bunch of gear with them. Really, it's the right things at the right time. This is going to take implementing of infrastructure, the use of innovative technology, and really developing Marines and people with the technical skills to run it. The key here, what we like to do is utilize other services because really the Army, as well as the Navy, has a larger footprint all around the world. So why am I going to bring stuff with me when the Navy or the Army has an SSA there or is in the country? Why can't we place gear there or utilize that system off of what they already have? So that's kind of our approach to the, the multi-domain operations, Russ. Great. That piggybacking is brilliant and efficient. So thank you for that. I'd like to shift gears a little bit and ask you, what have you learned or what would you like to share with the audience about your work's importance as part of the Marine Corps' mission? I think as a chief warrant officer, I've, I've learned to constantly try to develop myself both professionally and personally, whether the institution provides me with those opportunities or does not provide me formal education. I think this is important because as a chief warrant officer, all of us are expected to be subject matter experts with the resident knowledge and the ability to lead. I think it's important that for me to constantly develop myself, even when I know you know your MOS and you hit a plateau, you, you have to keep up with everybody that's asking us for knowledge and subject matter expertise. And sometimes that means you've got to take the initiative and go seek out the education or the experience yourself. That fits into the next question about what would you say to that brand new warrant officer? Yeah. So briefly to explain that, as soon as you get selected, which happened recently, they go to the basic school in Quantico, Virginia. 
we're designed different that we're trained to everybody be a basic rifle platoon commander. So that's what the basic school teaches us. We're actually promoted before that starts. It's not promoted after completion of the basic school. So what I tell everyone or the brand new warrant officers is as you become part of the chief war officer community, go after every opportunity that's provided out there. The military has a plethora of things, education, TDYs, networking, taking classes, that's going to pay off for you. Be in the right room with the right people, both professionally and personally. You know, the saying goes, you're going to become like the people you hang out with. I can't express that enough. Be in the right room with the right people and you're going to succeed. And the last is, you know, be ready. You know, always be ready when that opportunity comes up and people want to pick you. But even if you aren't ready or you don't think you're ready, go back to rule number one. Go after the opportunity anyways. And then finally, I'll give you the last word here. And again, I really appreciate this guest interview into my uh, Army Warrant Officer podcast. I appreciate uh, the chance to share with you. I'm happy we got the chance to meet and talk, but uh, I'll toss to you and, uh, you know, just tell me about the world of the Marine Corps and and the Warrant Officer. And and we had talked about uh, your experiences with the word chief and mister. Well, first of all, thank you, Russ, for having me on here. I really appreciate that. This is an, an incredible opportunity, not only to learn about Army Chief Warrant Officers, but to kind of share, you know, our vision and our culture, which I have had the opportunity to work with Army Chief Warrant Officers when I was in Iraq, doing the whole flipple process that that's, that's in itself a, a, a headache that we have adopted. Thank you, Army. And you, you could find much better things to do. <laughs> and, and and that that process is very complicated. And and then in Afghanistan, I had the chance to work with Army Chief Warriors. Have have a lot of respect for that community. How, however, I it was very hard for me to accept when they the Army would say, "Hey, Chief." And at first, when I heard that, I, I was really confused. Uh, and I would actually look around the room and go, uh, is, "Is there somebody in the Navy in here?" Because I'm a Chief Warrant Officer. Or you could call me Jason, or you could call me whatever. Please don't refer to me as a chief. And then there was this one time somebody referred to me as Mr. Pierce, and that took me back. And I was like, Mr.? And they're like, well, in the Army, I was like, um, yeah, we don't we don't really utilize that term. But um, I've, get, I've grown used to it because I understand that that's a culture. So, But I, I think that culture difference is, is, is amazing to me that we call chief. Or you guys will do your initials as, I think, CW2, I've seen yep. as the acronym. Yep. And you know, as Marines, we're kind of like, what? There's an O in there. We want to see CWO. <laughs> so please don't, you know, take that away from me. I earned that right to have the O in there. So uh, absolutely fantastic working with Army Chief Warrant Officers. I, I will let you proofread any advertisement before I send it out. So I, I got the right uh, nomenclature. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's great, and I appreciate your uh, your generosity and sharing those those good humorous stories. Uh, it's so great to hear warrant officers talk about doctrine, and thank you so much for your time and sharing how the work of United States Marine Corps warrant officers contributes to meeting uh, the doctrinal requirements for uh, the Marine Corps and for contributing to the overall fight. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. I would like to conclude this episode by expressing my thanks again to both. Chief Warrant Officer for Jason Pierce and Colonel Jason Fedig for your time this week and the opportunity to connect with you in this joint podcast episode. I would like to now leave the audience with this sampling of some of the work of Colonel and the United States Marine Corps President's own band.
On behalf of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the Warrant Officer to that fight. Please visit warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation in programs like this. Special thanks to our theme music composer, Josh DiStefano. Visit joshdestefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.